Good morning, Chapel Hill. That is my desire and my prayer that we just keep that name of Jesus right in front of us the whole time this morning. And as we get into the word, you will see it more and more. You will see him more and more clearly as we look at him again today. Uh, If you do not have a Bible with you this morning, you're going to need one to follow along in. We're going to hit several passages that all have a common theme that you'll see as we go. So if you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and put your hand up and our ushers will get you one that you can use to follow along with. And if you are receiving one of those Bibles and you do not have a Bible of your own currently, just keep the one that you receive. You need to have God's word in your hands. Um, I want to just extend my own personal thanks to all of you who volunteered this past week uh, for VBS who helped uh, lead these kids, 180 kids through a week of so much fun, but so much power as well and clarity of message and what a delight it was to see all of this unfold this week. It was so fun and it was so loud and it was so energetic and I had just an awesome time this week just watching this all unfold and I really appreciate all of you who put so much into this um, at the the beginning, setting up, at the end, tearing down, during the week, interacting with these kids or making snacks or doing the music up here, whatever it was, there were so many different parts to play. And I just appreciate um, everything that you guys have done because it, uh, it was worth it. It absolutely was worth it. It was a fantastic week. And it is a delight just to see how many of you are serving in so many different ways. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about the reality that his people, the people of God, Jesus' people, serve. It's part of our summer series here. And I want to get into this issue of service. The the fact that it's very, very common in the church. It is very, very uh, popular, so to speak, in this church to serve. We serve. We are a church. We are a people who serve. So why do we do it? And I want to ask that question as we get started. Why do we serve? Why did 60 plus people give their week this past week to serve 180 kids? Why did they get up in the morning and get here? Why did they, they throw themselves into the midst of all that energy and all that noise and all that fun and, and allow themselves to be used in this way? Why do they do this? Why do we do this? Why do we serve? What is the foundation for our serving? What is the motivation for our serving? What is behind this? So I want to look at a few reasons why, a few possible uh, motivations behind why we might serve. Well, one of the first ones that comes to mind is compassion. We serve because we're compassionate. We see a need, we see somebody's situation, somebody's condition, and we respond to that condition. We respond to that need. We have an emotional response to something that we see, and that emotion is compassion. And it's a good thing. Even Jesus had compassion. Jesus demonstrated compassion. In Matthew nine thirty six. it says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus responded with compassion. He responded emotionally to that situation, to that need, to that condition. He had compassion and we have compassion. What is another reason why we serve? Well, let's be honest. Guilt. We often serve out of guilt, don't we? 
We serve because we have it better than someone else and we feel bad about that. And so we're going to serve them. We respond and we want to take care of that guilt. Maybe it's combined with some compassion, but there's some guilt in there. And so we respond and we deal with that guilt. We, we respond out of guilt because we know that God's done so much for us and we almost feel bad about that. So let's go serve and then we won't feel so bad about it. Guilt is another reason why we serve. We feel like we've got to pay God back for what he's done for us. We feel like we've got to pay someone back for what they've done for us. If you remember back uh, years ago, there was a movie called Saving Private Ryan that came out, set in World War II, and Tom Hanks played this character whose mission was to go to the front line and get this guy, played by Matt Damon, this Private Ryan, get him and bring him home because his brothers had all been killed in the war and they wanted to get him out for the sake of his family. And so Tom Hanks goes on this incredible mission to go and save Private Ryan. And, it, and it, he's, he's at the point of dying. If you remember, Tom Hanks gets beat up pretty bad. He fights and fights and fights to get to Private Ryan. Do you remember the last thing that he said to Private Ryan? He said, earn this. Earn this. And sometimes we feel like we have to earn what God has done for us. We have that, that burden of guilt that says we've got to earn it now. Jesus did this amazing thing for us, dying on the cross. Now let's go earn it. Guilt is a motivation for us. Why else do we serve? Well, we serve out of a sense of duty, don't we? We know that we're supposed to do this. We know that serving is the right thing to do. So we serve because we have a sense of duty. We are Christians and Christians serve, don't they? So we're going to serve because that is a Christian's job. And whether we like it or not, we're going to do it because it's our job. And we've all come across people who are doing their job just for the paycheck. And that's it. They don't like it. They don't want to be doing it. But they're doing it because it's their duty. It's their job. That's how they're going to get paid. And we also can take on that sense of this is our job. And so we're going to do this. We're going to serve out of duty. There's another reason why we serve. And, and this is a tough one. Pride. A lot of times, yes, even in the church, we serve out of pride, don't we? Because we're so humble. Because we're so awesome. And when we serve, it makes us look humble and awesome, doesn't it? And so we're going to serve. Because it makes us look really, really good. And we are very, very concerned about what people think of us. And if they could just see us serving, oh, they'd think so much more of us. So let's serve. So why should we serve? Let's take some time to look at that this morning. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to look at several passages this morning that really highlight um, this motive, this reason, this foundation for service that we're going to get to as we get to the end here. 
But let's look at several examples. This is one. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. And we talked about them last week when we were outside. Kind of missed that already. I'm going, boy, it was nice being out there. Um, We talked about Paul and the people that he met back in the book of Acts who came to Christ and made up the, the church in Philippi. And then his letter in Philippians writing to this church. Well, this is more of what he had to say to that church, to the church in Philippi. Philippians chapter 2, go to to verse 5. We're going to read verses 5 through 11. It's what Paul writes. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Brothers and sisters, the essence of our faith is not that we serve, that we do this. The essence of our faith is that Christ served us. Jesus served us. The gospel, that is the gospel. And the gospel is our motive and our foundation for serving. And here we are back to the gospel again. We talked about last week about the gospel being the foundation for community. It's what's behind our community here. That is the thing that brings us together. That is the thing that creates this bond between us is the fact that the gospel has touched every one of our lives. That is our equal ground. That's our commonality. We talked previously about that too, about the gospel being the lifeblood of the church of Jesus Christ. That's what brings us life. Let's look again at the reasons that I listed for serving. Look at compassion. Compassion is a good motive. It's a positive motive. But it cannot be sustained as merely an emotional response to something. And we know this is true. How many things have moved you compassionately that you have long since forgotten about? Um, One of the things that, thanks to my wife, we're praying regularly about is something that happened months ago, and and it was uh, in the news. It was a headline. It was a major story. It was set in Nigeria and had to do with this horrible group of people called Boko Haram and this thing that they were doing going around and kidnapping Nigerian girls. And at that time when it came out, they had gone into a school and taken 200 Nigerian girls and taken them off into the bush to do unspeakable things to them for the sake of their own evil agenda. What happened with all that? We responded, didn't we? We responded compassionately. That was a terrible thing. There's over 2,000 girls that have been taken now. And do you know what's come out most recently? The belief that Boko Haram is now sending girls into cities. And when they get to the desired location, the bomb that they're carrying is remotely detonated. And blows up and they kill themselves and everyone around them. 
But here's something that we responded to emotionally when it first broke, and then it just sort of faded, didn't it? It just sort of went away. Because as compassionate as we were, compassion in itself is not enough of a foundation to be sustainable. I want to read to you a quote from uh, the book that I mentioned a few weeks ago um, that, that, a lot of, that has just driven a lot of my thinking around this series. A book called Creature of the Word um, by Matt Chandler and a couple of his pastors. This is, this is what it says about compassion. I want to read this to you. He writes, Compassion linked to the gospel is compassion that goes beyond merely observing hurting people. It sees hurting people and realizes, listen, that Jesus loves them furiously. Ultimately then, it's not our compassion, but the compassion of Jesus that fuels and sustains our desire to act on others' behalf. When we remember how gracious and compassionate Christ has been to us, our compassion is as sustainable as our remembrance of the gospel. Without him, compassion will slowly but surely devolve into a weepy moment that we forget as soon as the commercial ends or someone breaks the mood with a funny joke. Folks, our compassion, your compassion, and my compassion, as good as it is, is not a sustainable motive for us to serve. Let's look at guilt. We listed guilt as one of those reasons. Uh, Going back to the gospel again, what does the gospel declare about guilt? The gospel declares that we are not guilty. That there is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. We can not ever make up for or pay back what Christ has done for us. Why? Because that debt that we owed has been paid in full. Totally, completely, 100% covered by Jesus Christ and his blood. We cannot Pay it back. Why then are we allowing ourselves to serve out of our guilt? We cannot, we cannot pay it back. The debt has already been paid. What about serving out of a sense of duty? Um, I grew up with this. I'm a pastor's kid. You better believe we served. And as a kid, you better believe there were many, many times when I served because I was doing it out of a sense of duty. I'm the pastor's kid. I have to serve. This is what we do. So, yep, I'm going along with this again. Even though so many of those things made me ridiculously uncomfortable, I did them because it was my duty. As a pastor's kid and as a Christian. Um, we, we have this peer pressure even among us, ourselves in the church, don't we? I mean, what would happen if your small group decided that you're going to go and serve on this particular evening, but you really didn't feel like it? Of course you're going to go, aren't you? Because you have this sense of duty and you can't ignore that. And so you're going to allow that, that pressure of everybody doing the right thing to do it. Well, well, listen, we learned, I hope, in our year studying the Sermon on the Mount... That Jesus is not looking <laughs> for <laughs> is not looking for just our behavior, is he? 
He's looking for our hearts. He's not looking for us to serve because it's the right thing to do, because it's our job. He's looking for our hearts. Our hearts have to be in it. We cannot serve out of duty. He's not just saying to us, you don't have to want to do it, just do it. Those are not the words of Christ. That's not the message that he got across so clearly in the Sermon on the Mount. What about our pride? I want you to listen to the words um, that Isaiah spoke. And uh, these are, this is right back at the beginning of Isaiah. It's in chapter 1. And, and he wrote these words to Israel. And uh, this was from God through Isaiah. Uh, listen to how powerful this is. This is from Isaiah 1, verses 10 through 13. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure tranquility and solemn assembled. God is talking to them about this show that they put on for him. Because they were so impressive. He says, never mind, I'm not interested in this. Stop trying to impress me with this big performance. With throwing all this stuff out in front of me. It doesn't impress me because it's not you. Your pride has taken over. You are trying to impress me with your acts, with your behavior, with your sacrifices, with your show, even with your service. Folks, we cannot impress him with service that isn't tied to the right motive. The gospel does not elevate what we've done. It only elevates what Christ does. And that's it. There's a story uh, recorded in Matthew chapter 20 that is, is pretty amazing. It's, it's a very familiar story to, to those of us who have grown up in the church and been into the scriptures and stuff. It's, it's found in Matthew chapter 20 and it's Jesus is spending time with his disciples. And this is a message that he needed to get across very, very clearly to them. This message of serving, this thing that Paul talked about, that Jesus took on the form of a servant. This had to be clear for the disciples. But for some of them, it wasn't coming clear yet. This story is a a perfect example of that. It's the story of James and John and their mother. (laughs) And here their mother shows up in front of Jesus and gets down on her knees. And it asks Jesus to put her two sons at his right hand and left. She makes this request that is absolutely ridiculous on behalf of her sons and and jesus response is you have no idea what you're asking here 
And he looks at his disciples and he, and he says, are you, are, are you able to take the cup that I am about to drink? And James and John are like, oh yeah, we can do it. We can handle this. Absolutely, we can take this. So fulfill our mom's request. We can do this. Listen to Jesus' response. You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers, obviously. But Jesus called them to him and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We don't serve because it's a good thing to do. We don't serve because it makes us feel less bad. We don't serve because it's the right thing to do. We don't serve because it makes us look good. These are not reasons for us to serve. We serve because Jesus Christ serves us. We talked uh, a couple weeks ago about the idea of us having a position and a purpose. In that context, based on what Jesus is saying, what is our position? What's our position? Servant, right? I think Jesus is making that very, very clear. And what's our purpose? To serve. But not just to serve. Just like we talked about when we talked about position and purpose. Our purpose is to be like Christ. Our purpose is to be like Jesus Christ. Turn to John chapter 13 now. John 13. I'm going to read the first 17 verses of John chapter 13. This is an image that I want to stick in your mind for, for the rest of your life. John 13, beginning verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that, that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments And taking a towel, tied it around his waist. 
Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean. But not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you, if you do them. Chapel Hill, we are servants of Jesus Christ. Servants of Jesus Christ. Just like he was showing the disciples, is, is Jesus our Lord and our teacher? Absolutely. He most definitely is. And he made this incredible statement in there where he said, the servant is not greater than his master. And we've got to take that to heart. Our teacher and master, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, came and served. His whole life was a life of service. Pretty tough to argue with that. Who then are we to look our Savior, to look our master and our teacher in the eye and say, thanks for that, but I I really don't need to do what you've done. That's not my life. And in some sick way, put ourselves on a higher plane than our master and our teacher. And think even for a moment that we're not required to serve. Or that our serving consists of this twice a year thing that we do. He really challenges us here. Are we so much greater than him that we feel we're not required to serve? Think for a few minutes about what it looks like, what it could look like today to, to wash people's feet. This is, this is critical. Um, look at the different contexts that you exist in. Look at your home, your life at home your spouse, your kids, your roommate. 
whatever it is. Do you not have an opportunity there all the time to serve? Of course we do. We always have an opportunity at home to serve. Uh, You don't have to look further than our marriages. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5 to husbands and wives. To wives, he called them to submit to their husbands. To husbands, he called them to lay down their lives for their wives. It's clear. It's crystal clear. We are to serve each other in our marriages. Your kids, we're to serve our kids. Kids, you're to serve your parents. Husbands, let me give you a a challenge. Um, We're off at work all day. We come home and we have served at work for a whole day. And we have this tendency in us, don't we, to get home and go, all right, now it's my turn, my turn to be served. And we have probably this unspoken expectation that our wives are there to serve us because we've been serving all day as if they haven't. We've been serving all day and now it's our turn to be served. Husbands, I want to challenge you when you pull in that driveway to pause, to take a moment with Jesus in the driveway, to look him in the eye and see the towel around his waist and understand that he's called you to serve. No matter what your day has been like, no matter how much stress we're under at work, no matter how hard it is to support a family, we have been called to serve And home is one of those places where we ought to be serving. There's no question. Remember the example that's been set for us. Remember the model that Christ has given us. Um, Think about your neighborhood, the context of your neighborhood. Later this summer, uh, Peter's going to preach and he's going to bring that focus to us as we think about his people in the neighborhood. And as we get into this fall, we're going to talk at much greater length about what it is to serve in our neighborhoods. And so I won't go deeply into it this morning. But we have an opportunity all the time to serve our neighbors. It's right there in front of us all the time. Think about the workplace. Think about the gospel and your job. And if you see your job as something other than the gospel being played out in your life, other than an opportunity to serve, change your perspective. Your job, your workplace is a place where you have the opportunity to serve all the time. To give everything you've got to serve the people around you. It's loaded with opportunity. Think about the church, this context. There are always opportunities to serve at this church. Jesus told his disciples, wash each other's feet. We're to wash each other's feet. We're to serve each other. We've been given that command by Jesus. We've been given that opportunity over and over and over again. And this past week was obviously a tremendous demonstration of that. Of a very large group of people that committed to serving here in the church. And my goal this morning is not to put up a list of opportunities and have you sign up this morning because I'm preaching on serving. The opportunities are around you all the time. For us to serve each other in the church. You think about um, the, the words that Paul wrote to the church. His letters are filled 
filled with words, inspirational words about how we're to serve each other. That's our, our, our role with each other is we're to serve each other in the church. Those letters were written to the church about laying our lives down for each other. Peter did the same thing in his writings. He wrote to Christians, he wrote to followers of Christ about how to take care of each other, how to serve each other, how to minister to each other. It's before us all the time. You look at spiritual gifts, we talk about spiritual gifts. In what context do we learn about spiritual gifts? In the context of serving the church, of serving each other. That's where it fit. There's so much there in the writings of Paul and far beyond about serving each other in the church. There are opportunities that surround us all the time. But brothers and sisters, our motive has to be right. We heard Jesus say, wash each other's feet. So I want to end by talking about this this picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I want to to talk about what that means to us right now, right here. And the first thing that I want to do is, is just help us understand that that thing that Jesus did by wrapping a towel around his waist and getting a basin of water and washing his disciples' feet, we have to stop viewing that as something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's not past tense. What Jesus has done for us is phenomenal, but he's doing something for us every single day. He gave his disciples this this picture of of, uh, what it means to have their feet washed. And Peter challenged them on this, right? Peter said, "Just, just wash my whole body. And Jesus made this very clear statement. He said, I've already done that. And of course, he's talking about his spirit. He says, you have already been washed. When you came to me, when you surrendered your life to me, Peter, he says, you were cleaned. You are clean. And Chapel Hill, you are clean. So why then this model of washing Peter's feet, washing the disciples' feet? Jesus made it clear that he had to do that. That there was something that was ongoing. Something that he had to do all the time. And it's something that he does for you and for me every single day. And we have to stop looking at our faith and the gospel and the story of Jesus and his interaction with the disciples as something that happened way back then. Jesus is still doing this for us every single day. He still has a towel around his waist. And he is still washing you and me clean of the filth that this world leaves on us every day. Because we live in this world and we're under the, the, in the kingdom of this world and it is Satan's world. We get dirty. Our feet get dirty every day. It doesn't mean that we have to be clean top to bottom again just like Peter was asking. That's not what it means. It means that we need to have our feet washed every day. And Jesus is there to do this for us. He is there to do this for us. So I want to challenge you with something that you can try tonight if you've never done this before. This picture has just gotten so vividly clear for me. At the end of today, just get alone somewhere and do everything in your power. 
to picture Jesus Christ, the Son of God, standing before you with a towel around his waist and a basin of water in his hands. Because we need what he has to offer every single day. Picture him approaching you and say to him, Lord Jesus, I invite you to wash my feet. Because you and I, every day we walk the world, we walk the path of this world, and we pick up the filth that is here. And we sin, we ignore God, we go against the things of God. We enter into the things of this world. We covet the things of this world. We participate in the pursuit of earthly treasure. We do all that. And when we come to the end of the day, our feet are dirty. And we need to come before Jesus Christ and invite him to wash our feet. And make that a daily reality in our lives. And I include myself in this. I I don't do this perfectly. I don't. But I was faced this week with this picture of Jesus. And this idea that every day my feet get dirty. And your feet get dirty. And every day Jesus stands before us with a towel and a basin. And said I'm here to wash your feet. Will you invite him to do that every day? Because out of that. Out of that encounter at the end of the day. I think, I hope, I pray that we're going to realize that this is Jesus. This is Jesus. And this is not only what he has done for us, this is what he does for us, is doing for us, will do for us throughout our lives. And in light of that, to realize that he is calling us to do the same. To do the same for each other. To help each other rid ourselves of the grime and filth of this world. To encourage each other. To bring each other back to the gospel. To lift each other up. To speak truth and hope into each other's lives. And he is calling us, Chapel Hill, to be this in our world. Because whether we see it or understand it or not... The world around us is calling out, crying out to God. And Jesus is there, ready to wash them clean. And it is on us to help them find the one who can wash them clean. To bring that message, the gospel, to the world around us through the way we serve them. When you serve somebody by showing them that there is something different, there is something better, there is something higher than what this world has to offer them, you are saying, I, I am helping you find a source of cleanliness, of refreshment, a way to wash this off you. I'll show you that there's something else. We have to serve because Jesus is serving us every day and we are to be like Jesus. And because of what he's doing for us every day, that ought to drive into our hearts this deep desire to serve. Chapel Hill, the issue is not so much that we continue to get our feet dirty every day. 
But we can get caught up spending our whole lives trying to get our feet less dirty and think that we're accomplishing the goal. The issue is that we fail to pick up a towel and wash the dirt of this world off the feet of somebody else. Here in the church and out in the world through serving them. Chapel Hill, let's let the gospel be our foundation and our motivation for serving. His people serve. There is no question about that. That is who we are. We are servants by position and by purpose we are to become like Christ who came and took on the form of a servant. So we are to be servants and to give our world a glimpse of the one who came to serve them. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward now and the worship team as we prepare to close the service. Let's pray while they do. Father, what you have done for us is beyond description. The fact that you would send your son, your only son, into this world, not to come and take over, dominate, overthrow, rule, judge, But you sent him in the form of a servant so that we could find you again. God, we praise you for that. We praise you. We want to lift up our unbroken praise day in and day out forever for what you have done for us. Father, I thank you for the model that Jesus gave us. I thank you for your word and for the fact that we can find this model lived out for us. It's there. It's in our hands. It's right there. God, will you help us not to miss the obvious? Will you help us not to miss the fact that that Jesus, our master and our teacher, lived a life of service? He was a servant Help us not to miss the fact that we're not better than him. We don't get to to just step away, just ignore the fact that he did this and and decide that we don't don't have to do that all the time. We're good if we do our, our little acts of service here and there on schedule. God, break us of that. Open our eyes to see that Jesus' life was the life of a servant And because you're calling us to be like him, because you've created us in his image, that we too are called to a life of service. God, guide us there. Lord Jesus, we need you every day. We need you to wash our feet every day.
Father, help us to see your son with a towel and a basin. Through that encounter, to realize that your desire is that we become like him. Not because it's a really good thing to do, not because uh, we're tired of feeling guilty, not because it's the right thing to do, not because it's going to make us look good. But because every single day, standing before us is the Son of God. Inviting us to be served by him. Father, teach us to serve each other. Teach us to serve this world. Because we are servants. Called to be like Christ. Father, we praise you this morning for the gift of being cleansed by you through the blood of your son. We lift up our praise to you and we want to praise you from now through eternity for what you've done for us. So take our lives and make them more than just about the things that we say, more than just about the things that we study. Take our lives and make them lives of service. Or we're the ones with the towel around our waist and the basin in our hands. Again, Lord, we just offer ourselves to you for your will to be done. For your kingdom to come in our lives and through our lives. As we serve the people around us. We pray this in the name of the one who serves us every day. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.